Welcome to the Unleashed Podcast, connecting stories with creative ideas to help you live out your passion. I'm Derek Smith, your host for today, and today I'm excited. I have my boy Colin Adams, uh, professor at St. Aug in Raleigh, North Carolina, on the show with me. And so we're going to spend some time talking about his life, his story, his passions. Um, and, and so I'm, I'm glad to have you, man. Oh, man, glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Excited. Yeah, man. Um, Colin, um, I've known you for a, a couple years and, and met you a couple years uh, ago. And um, man, I think one thing that I notice about you is, and we just talked about just actually your, your heart and your passion for the students that you are teaching. Um, and so, man, I, I just kind of want to hear your story. Um, tell us like what you do, where your professor at and, and how you got to, to where you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so Colin Adams, um, I am an assistant professor of psychology at uh, St. Augustine's University. Uh, St. Augustine's is, uh, th those of us who, who, who are familiar with St. Augustine's, we call it St. All. So St. All with the all, right? So, uh, but St. Augustine's is uh, one of uh, North Carolina's HBCUs, one of the nation's HBCUs. Uh, one of only three uh, Episcopal HBCUs. Uh, unfortunately, one uh, being St. Paul's up in Virginia has closed, so that leaves two, uh, us and one more uh, school, which is in uh, South Carolina. Um, but I've been there for, uh, this will be 10 years for me. Uh, wow, 10 years uh, of teaching at St. Aug. Um, it's interesting because, you know, I've, I've, I've gotten to St. Aug and, you know, I've, I've been there for 10 years, but, you know, just when I think about what I do and how much I love what I do. Um, being a, a faculty member, being in the academy was never something that I had planned. Um, you know, I mean, in fact, my, my career, like the entire trajectory of my career, trajectory, excuse me, of my career, uh, I've always assumed would have me in the community uh, because, you know, my, like my passion and, uh, you know, one of the things that really drives me, gives me life is just being connected with people, you know, so, uh, all of my career uh, prior to teaching had been in the community, working in nonprofits, uh, working in juvenile justice, you know, things like that. So um, had a chance to teach one class uh, as an adjunct and a uh, full-time position came open and 10 years later, I'm still there. So, you know, yeah, so it's interesting. <laughs> I love what I do though. <laughs> yeah. uh, where did you go to school and what did you study? Yeah, so went to Hampton University, the real HU, I got to say that, the real HU. <laughs> not that fake one up in D.C., not that fake one. <laughs> but uh, Hampton University graduated in 2002, majored in sociology, um, which, which is interesting because, you know, connecting to your first question, how did I get there? Um, HBCUs are just, it, it's, it's in, you know, I know you went to Central, you know, it's like HBCUs are just, it's in my heart, you know, it's, it's just, it's in my blood, you know. Uh, I was the third of my family to go to Hampton. Uh, the fifth in my family to go to an HBCU. Uh, my aunt and uncle, uh, much older than myself, and, and you, of course, uh, went to Central State in Ohio. I'm from Ohio, so Central State is just one of those schools that are, you know, well-known in Ohio. Central State, Wilberforce, Kentucky State, you know, schools like that in the area. Um, but my oldest cousin and his sister went to Hampton. So uh, literally from, you know, being a young kid uh, through high school, it, it was Hampton or bust for me. So I yeah. uh, ended up going to Hampton, graduated in 02. And, uh, you know, that HBC love is just really what's allowed me to really, you know, enjoy what I do and love what I do at St. Aug, uh, working at an HBCU. 
Yeah, that's that that's that's dope, man. One, I just realized we graduated college the same year, uh, <laughs> two thousand and two. Um, so. You went to a historically black college and university. You are a professor at a historically black college and university. And I went to a historically black college and university in Durham, North Carolina. And I think a, a theme I'm hearing now is like, we, we both have a passion for HBCUs. Could you just take a, a few minutes and just kind of talk about that? Like, you know, I, I've heard people say, why are there historically black colleges or colleges just for black people? Why can't there be colleges for, you know, Hispanics, Latinos, Asian Americans, et cetera? Could you, you take a few moments and just unpack why HBCUs um, and then just how important they are to the black community and how they, they help shape the black community? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, it's interesting that, you know, in, in 2020, we're still asking that question, you know, uh, the broader society is asking that question. Um, for me, it's a lot like when people ask, why is there a black church? <laughs> right? Why does the black church exist? You know, um, I, I think I think when people inquire about that, why, why are there black colleges in 2020? Why are there black churches in 2020? Well, you know, I think people that do that, I think in many ways they diminish the historical context that created, one, the need for those uh, institutions, and two, the current existence for those institutions. Um, ultimately, you know, we know that, you know, HBCUs were created to provide educational opportunities for uh, freed slaves, right, freed men. Um, where they were not given the choice or the opportunity to go to other schools. So uh, a Lincoln, right? I, I believe Lincoln in Pennsylvania was the first uh, HBCU that was created. I believe it was that. There's two Lincolns. There's one in Missouri, one in uh, Philadelphia. But I believe it's the one in outside of Philadelphia that was created first. Uh, there's, there's Shaw that is uh, created uh, the, the first in the South, the first HBCU in the South, right? Shaw University and your Hamptons, your Centrals, your... ANTs, right? Your, you know, your, your Tuskegee's, right? And the list just goes on and on. Um, but, but these schools are created to give people of color, to give black people the opportunity to get a solid education and to contribute to the greater society. Mm -hmm. um, why, why do they continue to exist? Well, you know, there's a lot of research and I, and I cover this in uh, my psychology for the African-American community class that I teach every spring. Uh, for short, it's called black psychology. Um, but there's a lot of studies that, that argue um, that African-American students in, in PWIs, right, predominantly white institutions or predominantly white spaces, that they struggle with identity, uh, they struggle with, with feeling safe, uh, they struggle with belonging, they struggle with comfort. Um, so HBCUs, you know, to this day, they, they continue to provide not necessarily just quality education, which they do, but they also provide safe spaces for those students to feel comfortable being who they are, where they are. Um, for, for me, in, in my Hampton University experience, you know, Derek, man, Hampton was the first place that I had a chance to learn in, in an environment around people who looked like me. Yeah. Um, I went to predominantly white high school, right? Catholic on top of that, right? Shirts and ties every single day, blazer, you know? Um, I went to predominantly white junior high, predominantly, like, it just, you're predominantly white Lutheran at uh, elementary school. Um, outside of church, in my own community, 
you know, I really wasn't around people who looked like me. I, I could count on one hand how many black teachers I had. I think three my whole life. Um, Hampton was the first place where I could be in a place around people who looked like me, uh, affirmed, welcomed, appreciated, um, encouraged, supported, challenged, and educated by people who look like me, you know? Yeah. And, and that's the value that HBCUs add to the lives of uh, our black youth. Yeah, man, that's, that, that's strong. Like, I, I love how you um, hone in on the, the educational quality of, of HBCUs and then also the, the space that it provides for, for black people to be in a space um, where they're not having to, you know, for me, it was this, this code switching thing. You know, I went to predominantly white high school and then I end up at uh, North Carolina Central University. And, you know, the things in my, that I would do and say in my predominantly white high school when I got to this all black space, it was completely different. And so for the first time, I felt like, man, I can embrace my blackness because I, I grew up with a father who taught me, you know, to speak politically correct don't wear sagging pants. You say, yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. You're black. That's one strike in America. You're a black man. That's two strikes in America. And so he groomed me to, to kind of code switch and how to fit into white society um, so that society didn't view me as this uneducated like thug in a sense. And so getting to this HBCU was powerful because I had black professors. And again, I probably only had two black teachers my whole life. And one was like, a war history, you know, I feel like it's always like some sports class. Uh, the, the, the teacher coaches track, but he also teaches like world history. Um, but the, the safe space to be like fully black um, and, and embrace that, but also like get quality education. Um, that's that's and, the. And, and one thing, if I can add, so 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 then that that safe space is a space where. You can sag where you can wear dreads, where you can wear golds in your mouth, where you can speak slang, slang, and not one person question your intelligence. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Ain't that crazy though? Like bright, intelligent people, like who go to historically black colleges. Um, mm -hmm. Colleges, man, it it, it is it's powerful. Um, yeah. Let's let's shift a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about. So you, you're a professor at historically black college and university. Um, you're a professor, assistant professor of, of psychology. Like, um, what really drives like what you do as like a like your heart and your passion? What is driving you to be this psychology uh, professor specifically at a HBCU? You could be a psychology professor at you know a pwi but like why psychology professor at an hbcu yeah 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 so um i had an opportunity um within the past year or two uh to teach at a pwi to teach psychology uh, at a pwi and um I, I turned it down um my, my heart is is so with our people it, it, it's so with our community um, because in so many ways, I see myself as being who I wish I had at that age, yeah. you know, um, I had, you know, of course my dad, love him to death, best friend, you know, involved uncles, you know, grandfathers, you know, I like, I've had male figures my whole life, but to say that I had an educator, you know, who, who not only taught me, but challenged me, invested in me, um, 
a black man that I could go to, you know, in, in my lowest point, like that's not family, right? But uh, like that I can go to my lowest point and my brokenness, you know, I'm feeling, you know, I, I'm feeling, I'm questioning myself, you know, I like, I see myself like being that person that I wish I had, you know, and, and specifically being that person that I wish I had for people who look like me, you know, um, it, Derek, it's not psychology, man, that I'm passionate about. It's, it's really not. I, I could, I could care less about Freud. I could care less about, you know, uh, B.F. Skinner. I could, I, I, you know, I could care less about, you know, the, these figures and psychological theory. I care about the students that I teach, you know, um, I, I care about taking like, so for, for example, like let, let's take the, the caricature that, that we kind of painted a few moments ago, you know, sagging pants, dreads, you know, that, that's at least 30 of my students that I see every semester. Right. And I, I, like, I care about seeing them come to an institution where they're trying to learn, trying to better themselves and challenging them. Right. To be everything that they want to be. Right. Um, you know, the, these young people growing up in a world that points fingers, that labels, that, that, that judges, right? That, you know, th this world that is so biased and is so trumped up, right? For, you know, no pun intended, but right. That, that is just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> right. Like, like all charge, like trumped up charges against them. You, you know what I'm saying? And, and being the person to say, listen, I see you. Um, I know you. I see what you can do. Now let me help you get there, right? There is nothing, like you give me, give me 20 to 30 adolescents in a classroom, give us dialogue and engagement. I'm, I, and I'm in heaven, bro. Like I'm, I'm in heaven, right? To, 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 to challenge their minds, to see how they think critically, to, to listen to their questions, the way in which they question life and society and, and the world and, and even faith, right? And, because it's ministry too, right? It's not just like, it's ministry too, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, to, to like give me them and and give me the chance to shape them and challenge them. And, and there's nothing in the world like it for me, right? But then even beyond the classroom, because for me, some of the best work that I do is not just in the classroom, it's in my office, right? Mm -hmm. Crying, where they're, they're stressed, right? Where they're worried, you know, you know, I, I've got students, Derek, man, that, that are providing for their, their parents, right? And, you know, and, and they're navigating the tension of having to provide for home, but then at the same time, focus in school. Um, and that's not necessarily an HBCU thing. That's a life thing. But, yeah. you know, the fact that I can deal with that at an HBCU, it, it's just, it, it's, it's, it's an incredible thing, right? So, so I'm passionate about serving Black students, because I know what it meant to be, right? I know what it means to be a black adolescent in a world that, let's just be honest, it, it points his finger and, and it criminalizes you, you know? Yeah. I, I know what it feels like to be a young black man on the hood of a police car, right? Um, uh, being threatened to be shot by a police officer. I, I know what that feels like. I know what it feels like to have uh, a white teacher tell you that they don't think you're ever going to make it, right? And, and to be able to look in the eyes of those kids who are just like me to say, I see you, I value you, and I'm going to help you to get to be everything that you want to be, right? Because I know, you know, like, it's just, there's nothing like that for me, man. Dude. Dang, man, that's so powerful. <laughs>
<laughs> so powerful. Um, so powerful, so encouraging. Um, like, like what I hear you saying is like you, you have a, a, a general passion for people, but an even more specific passion for the black community, yeah. black adolescents, college students, but God somehow has opened this door for you to leverage being a psychology professor for you to like fulfill that passion. Um, and, and, and that's strong because that's, that's what my, this whole podcast is about, all about people's stories and their passions and how to live out um, those passions. And so, man, that, that's, that's strong. Um, so let's say for the listeners out there, let's say we have some listeners who um, they're, they're passionate about the black community. Um, they, they, they have similar experiences that you, as you just talked about, and their heart is to empower, to build up, to love and serve the black community. Um, but they, they don't know what to do. They don't know how to leverage that. They don't know what the next steps are. Like, how does one take what they're passionate about and kind of, in a sense, transition into like fully living that out? Are there any like practical steps, any wisdom, any tools that you could provide for people to kind of live that out? It may not be being a professor, but um, it could be a many other things. Like, what would you say to them? Yeah, yeah. So I, I think so. So people who are passionate about serving the black community, you know, um, those are people who are passionate about serving people, right? Um, for for me, right? I, I think I think one of the best kind of like one, two, three step, you know, method, if you will, you know, um, I don't know if there's necessarily one that exists, but what worked for me, um, Derek, I just got out there and just started working. You know, um, when I when I graduated from Hampton in 2002, I was a sociology major, right? Like, for those of you listening, sociology is 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 a subject. It's an interesting subject, but you don't necessarily leave college with with skills, right? You leave school with understanding. You understand people. You understand society, right? But that means nothing if you're not applying it as you work within the context of community and people. So. You know, when I left, I, I had goals, you know, law enforcement goals, you know, law school goals, all of that, right? Um, when I left, I just started working. I started working in nonprofits. Um, anything that gave me a chance to be connected to the community, whatever that community looks like, right? Mm-hmm. So, so I first started off working in recreation, right? Uh, I, I worked at a, a nonprofit that focused on building recreational opp- opportunities for inner city children, right? I did that for a year, then I started graduate school. After that, I started working uh, in a homeless shelter, right, as a case manager. Uh, I got that, man, listen, I got a chance to teach abstinence education to high school, middle school, and elementary age kids, right? Um, I've worked at a boys club, you know. I've worked in family counseling. Uh, I've, I've worked in probation. I've worked in a prison, like, you know, I've worked like so many different venues, but ultimately, here's what I would say, just do something, you know, find an opportunity and take it, be it employment or be it volunteering, right? Um, the YMCA provides so many incredible opportunities for volunteering. I, I got a chance to mentor for the YMCA where I'm tutoring and mentoring young kids, you know? Um, it's one of the things that I, I tell my students all the time, you know, they, they're thinking about graduate school and, you know, they want to be, you know, psychology. So a lot of them want to go on to do therapy and, you know, things like that. So, 
you know, one of the things that they, they question is, okay, so what separates me from other applicants? You know, um, you know, I have a 3.0. What if somebody has a 4.0? Well, you know, one of the things that I tell them, which I think is, you know, relevant to your listeners, ultimately, one of the things that I tell my students is what separates you from everybody else? Schools will take a 3.0 student with a ton of experience over a 4.0 student with no experience, right? Mm -hmm. What is that experience? Get out and do something, you know? Volunteer, boys clubs, girls clubs, YMCAs, community centers, churches, after school programs, whatever it is, just get in and get connected somehow. And then those opportunities lead to other opportunities because one of the things that I've learned about the community itself is that everything is connected, right? One knows the other, the other knows the other, and it creates more opportunities. So if you're passionate about serving people, get out and do something. If you're passionate about serving the African-American community, find opportunities to serve within the African-American communities as connected to community programs, nonprofits, and just serve and opportunities will will be made available. Yeah, that's good. I love the practicality of that, of get out and do something and take advantage of, of opportunities. Man, that's good. But, but I will say this, so let, let me push back. So so let me push back just a little bit on, on to your viewers. Um, if, if, if you are not black and you are sensing a desire to, um, serve the African-American community, um, I want you to interrogate that a little bit, okay? Um, I, I want you to interrogate your heart a little bit, all right? Uh, why the African-American community, you know? Um, wh what is it that you would like to do in the African-American community and why? The most important question I think that you can ask yourself is why, right? Why the African-American community? Um, the reason why I'm saying that is, is because I don't want you to say I want to serve that community because it's broken. No. White communities are broken. Uh, Asian communities are broken, right? Got it. <laughs> right? Uh, sin and brokenness is not monolithic, right? Mm. Sin and brokenness is an equal opportunity employer, right? Um, if, if you want to serve brokenness, serve where you are, right? But if you sense a desire to serve in African-American communities, please interrogate why. Um, be, because we don't need saviors, all right? There's only one savior and he ain't you, <laughs> right? Um, we need people who are genuine and concerned about serving people and an opportunity arose to serve in a space that was predominantly black, therefore I'm going to serve there, right? We don't need people with a kind of mentality, let me just go serve here because they're broken. No, no, we have a passion for serving people and there's an opportunity for you in this community, right? Myself and Derek, right? We, we, we have a passion for serving those who look like us because we come out of that context, we understand that context, we're passionate about that context. Cross-cultural context, you need to interrogate your heart a little bit before you desire to serve there. All right, I hope that makes sense. That's a strong, powerful, wise word and, and I appreciate you um, kind of mentioning that to, to the listeners who are are not black and wanting to um, serve in, in black communities and spaces and so so that's important yeah I love the the why Simon Sinek 
I, I love him because he says everything begins with with why, and we need right. to right. so uh, why and allow that to to lead us. And so, man, dude, I I appreciate your time. Uh, thank you for being on the show, man. This is good. I really feel like we could probably dialogue for like another forty minutes, um, yeah, just on HBCUs um, <laughs> in, in, in itself, man. Um, but yeah, Colin, thanks for being on the show with me today, man. Thanks for having me. It's been an honor, man. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Unleashed Podcast. Be sure to follow the podcast on Instagram at the Unleashed Podcast 2020. There you will find more episodes and more information about the show. As always, share this podcast with a friend or tell a friend. Thank you for listening.